0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. All right. You guys ready for the word? Okay. All right. I get to tell you a story. Ah. Okay, so... Um, You get to hear like all the bad things about Sean and I. One of them is, not really all of them, but one of them, Sean's like, wait, you can't talk about me like this. It's really, it's my issue because it's it's the garden. And years ago, I told Sean, it's a long story, but I told Sean I wanted a garden and we've always wanted some fruit trees. And um, I'm a terrible gardener, which means I really want to plant things and then walk away and they grow, right? Like, so like asparagus is like my thing. You plant asparagus and then the next year you go back and you have asparagus. You don't have to weed it. You don't have to do anything. They just pop up out of the ground and they pop up and you don't have to like dig in there and pick them. They just pop up and you can just go and click them off and then you have asparagus. It's wonderful. And, um, and so I kind of wanted that with trees. So we planted an orchard Probably, I don't know, it was years ago, probably 10. And um, yeah, our trees apparently don't like the soil because even like they look really nice after we have solved the problem of the deer eating them. um, The deer love the smell of apple trees and so they come up and they shred the the trees. And so we finally figured out if we put like Irish spring soap on them, that they won't shred the trees. And so we do that. And and that's about it. We kind of just expect them to grow apples. It's an apple tree, right? It's supposed to grow apples. And we have several, so they should pollinate each other and all of those things. And we have lots of bees out at our property. The problem is that every year we have these apple, like these apple trees are beautiful. They look nice. They're, you know, about my height. They're, you know, they, they're green, they're pretty. They have all of these amazing smelling blooms that pop up. Like all the flowers come up and they're beautiful and they smell like heaven, you know. And then the lead, like all the little flowers fall off and the buds start. And that's where we run into a problem. They start to grow apples, little bitty ones, and the apples get stunted and they don't grow past that. They get, and if they do grow, they've grown up to about this big, and they're sour and they're gross, they're bitter. You know, they, they don't taste good, they're hard, they're not good fruit. Our trees look beautiful. We have lots of flowers on them. You know, everything looks fine, but there's a problem, right? like a tree, like when I was growing up, my neighbor had apple trees. They did nothing to them, at least nothing that I saw. Literally, they didn't even pick the apples off of them. And every year they were like, please come and take apples from my apple tree because they're falling all over. They're terrible to have to mow around, you know, and and they're painful. So if you can come, please just clean. And there were so many of them, my whole family of five couldn't take all of the apples from their tree, right? So like a healthy tree, it's supposed to bear enough fruit that people need to come and receive from it, not just for the person. It's actually for, it's not just even for the family. It's meant to be fruit to be given out to people, right? I do have really great cucumbers that are growing, and I have so many of them now. I've been passing them out to people because my, my produce is doing, that plant is doing really good because it doesn't make a lot of attendance from me, you know? Um, but, but my apples, there's something wrong with them. Like, there's something wrong with my apple tree. And I know, I know a couple of things. I know that they aren't what they're supposed to be, right? Like, an apple that's this big and sour and bitter is not what it's supposed to be. You know, I know that there's probably something that I could do to fix the soil to make my apple tree produce better apples. I have knowledge of that, understanding that there's something I should do, but I haven't done it because I'm busy and because it's not my highest priority. You know, and the other thing that I know is this, that unless I do something to change the soil, you know, to, to address the problem with my tree, I'm gonna continue to have the same results year after year, right? My trees are not miraculously gonna start producing amazing apples without me not touch, without me not doing anything. There's a problem probably in the soil Right, Because the soil is where it catches its nutrients. And so there's something happening in my apples and in our peaches. Our entire orchard is actually having a problem, which is why we think it's the soil. you know. But I haven't gone and I haven't gained the knowledge, I haven't done the research that it takes. I haven't gone after the knowledge that it, I need to be able to address the problem. And I feel like that's, that's kind of how a lot of us are in our Christian walk is we we can look at our life and we can go, you know, this thing, this side of me is producing pretty good fruit, but there's these sections in my life that are producing like they have flowers, it looks nice, that I look healthy on the outside, I look like a good Christian, but there are these places in my life where my fruit isn't coming to maturity and it's not actually able to be partaken. And if somebody does come and pick the fruit from my tree, it's gonna be bitter right? And maybe I know that that's not how it's supposed to be, but I haven't gained the knowledge of what it takes to shift that and to make my fruit good. Does that make sense? So, you know, I, I want to take that illustration because the, like, the New Testament talks a lot about the fact that we'll, we'll know the people, like, we know, their, by the, know them by their fruit, Right? And fruit is meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to be sweet and delicious, unless a tomato, and we're not talking about tomatoes. We're talking about real fruit, like apples and peaches and things that are tasty and sweet, you know? And, and so if you, like, if you go and you get a bitter, like, we, we just planted a cherry bush tree thing that Sean is actually cultivating. He's actually working on it. And, um, he does an amazing job with gardening. I'm the one who's terrible at it. And so, um, and so, but the, the but these cherries came up and they were beautiful. But every time we ate them, they were they were bitter. And we think that it's probably because the first year they're still trying to get rooted and they're trying to find the nutrients and to to adjust to a new life, like a new soil, right? But but when we ate them, it was like this. If you ever tasted fruit that's bitter, it like saps the moisture out of your mouth. You know, it's like it's like this weird texture and it's like you all of a sudden you're like I need a drink of water that was really really dry almost you know like that's not refreshing to anybody right and we don't really want to be the people who when somebody comes up and they need fruit from us that we give them something that's bitter but we also know that if that's what's happening that there's what Todd talked about last week how many of you guys were here last week yeah yeah You heard the message. So last week, Todd talked about the application process of the scriptures, right? He talked about how we have to respond to the RSVP that's been given to us. And so I would say this. I know here that there's something wrong with my tree. And I know that if I researched it on the internet, I would probably find the solution to my problem. And then I would need to go out and purchase whatever it is that I need to build into the soil of my property so that I can have a fruit like that's going to or a tree that's going to bear really great fruit right but there's that gap between I know there's a problem and I have to do something that we get stuck in so many times you know but here's the thing so many of us in our christian life we think that if we just sit back time will fix it and god will just miraculously come in and change the fruit into something that's amazing right like like if I just suddenly go out to my field and all of a sudden my tree is producing amazing fruit. Like, God doesn't usually do that because it's a character issue. Because he's called us. He's, he's laid out all of, these, all of these benefits of the cross that we've been talking about. He's laid them out. But then, like Todd talked about last week, he's given us not, not requirements of work, but action steps. He's asked us to step in. We need to actually call in. And like Todd had used the illustration of and we actually have to make the RSVP, we actually have to make the choice to block out our schedule and to make a, an adjustment for the thing that we're RSVPing for. So in this case, I would need to look at my schedule because I am busy and begin to intentionally go after understanding what I need to do to change the fruit tree so that I can bear better fruit, right? And we get stuck in that because what we want is we want to sit back on the couch and we want the Lord to be like, hey, we have, this, we have this fruit that's not bearing good fruit and you need to come and fix that, God. It's your problem. And he's going, yeah, it is like I have already given you everything you need, right, for life and godliness. And so everything has been deposited already within you and now you need to apply the knowledge that I've already given you. And how do you find the knowledge? It's through the Word. It's through the research of, and the study of the Word of God, right? Jesus came to reveal the Father. <clears throat> and um, what I love about about this is that King David, years before the New Covenant came on the scene, King David stepped into this relationship with with the Father God that nobody else in history that I can see throughout the Bible. There are several people who loved the Lord and who were very close to him. But David had this different relationship with him where he began to understand the new covenant before it was ever available. And he began to step into things and to see things that weren't available in the covenant he was living in. And he began to pull from the new covenant, even though he was still living in the old covenant. And it was because of his worship. It was because of his heart that was tender towards the Lord, right? And so a couple weeks ago, Sean was reading through and kind of talking about the benefits of the cross. And that week he was, he was hitting on the benefits of healing being for today. And he was reading out of Psalm 103. And that's the scripture that says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. He's healed all of your iniquities. He's, um, What I just, I had it. All right, that's, a, that's frustrating. I had it memorized. It's, you know, you're all staring at me and making me feel uncomfortable. All right, here we go. I don't have it on the screen yet. I didn't put down the whole song. Yeah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He pardons all of our iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with loving, kindness and compassion. I like we have always loved that scripture because it's such a like it's such a, it's a it's a call to action. It's a, hey soul, like your mind, will and emotions, that's what your soul is. Your mind, will and emotions, you're calling it to attention and you're telling it to do something. Right? Like our soul, our mind, will and emotions shouldn't govern us, we should govern it. Our spirit that's connected to God should be governing our mind, will, and emotions right? Our emotions shouldn't run us. We all know that, you know, but most of the time we let them. We let our emotions tell us what to do and what to think. And so David had this understanding that he needed to step into this place where he needed to tell his mind, will, and emotions what to do. And when Sean was reading this a couple of of weeks ago, I just, I caught the scripture that says, you know, he's redeemed you from the pit. And I was like, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to teach on this, You know, and how many of us can can honestly say he's redeemed us from a pit? You know, how many of us, don't raise your hand for this one, still have pits that need to be redeemed, we need to be redeemed from? You know, like we still have places in us that are bearing hard, bitter fruit, right? And so, so we have these areas where, you know, like, so what's the pit? Like, I love the phrase in America, right? Like my dad always used to use it. He would be like, well, that's the pits. What does that mean? Talk to me. What's it mean? If somebody says, well, that's the pits, what's that mean? It's the worst. It stinks, right? Like, that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing that's happening to you, right? And so we have, um, let me see. I had the situations, the pits. My life has been in the pits for years. I've been stuck in a pit of depression for a while. Like, we have these phrases, right? Like, we're we're stuck in a pit. My life's the pits. That's the pits. You know, um, the pit of despair you know if you, if any of you guys watch Anne of Green Gables you know i'm in the depths of despair you know like that's that's the pits right and so we have these places where like david talked about it in psalm 40 where he he said i have it, i have it written down here see i need to memorize my bible a little bit better here <laughs> um Where he talks about, he brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. Many will see and fear and trust in the Lord. Like, so the 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 destruction, the pit of destruction that David talked about in Psalm 40, actually talks about him and his own choices of sin that put him into the pit, and then later he actually talks about how his enemies had created a pit for him that he fell into. So. The pits that we're talking about, even in the Bible, are both, are both pits of sin, sin issues that we deal with, right? Which the first part of the verse says he actually pardoned all of our sins. So this, the places that our life choices, let's say it like that, our life choices have put us into a pit. We're stuck because we've fallen into this place where our life choices have put us into, and now we're stuck there, right? Or the other part of it is other people's life's choices, have created a pit for us that we've fallen into or that we've been pulled into, right? And we find ourselves stuck. The problem is that when we're stuck in a pit, we are stuck there. We can't get out, right? If you think about a well, for instance, that's a really great pit to think about. You know, if people, somebody falls into a well, they can't usually pull themselves out of it. They need a savior, Right They need somebody to come and to lower rope or to to crawl down there. There was a story back in the eighties of a little girl who had fallen into a well, and they sent a person down you know in a harness to 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 tie her up into like a place so they could lift her out and hoist her back out. You know like she was so stuck in the pit that she wasn't able to free herself. She actually had some broken shoulder bones and stuff like she was she was stuck in there really good. you know that's the pit like. She fell into it. It was, it, was her, it was an accident that happened other times. You know, in the book, in, it talks about Joseph actually was being tossed into the pit, right? And then sold into slavery. You know, and so when, none of this message is really about saying, oh, well, you put yourself there, now you need to get yourself out. It's not a works-based mindset or a message. What's beautiful is that this is what the, the scripture says. It says that he's redeemed your life from the pit, Psalm 103 verse 4 says, redeeming your life. It says, re- who re- uh, Jesus, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. All right. So you guys know me well enough to know that we're going to talk a little bit about the scriptures and what they, like the words, what they mean. All right. So let's talk about what's the word "redeem" mean. We've used that word a lot, but redeem means to re- to redeem from slavery, to be pulled from slavery, to avenge, to pay a ransom. So it's it's a ransom that's paid. It's money that's paid or something that is paid to purchase the person back, right? So Jesus paid a ransom for us to be redeemed from or set free from sin, right? The bondage of sin. And then the word pit is a physical pit, like it literally means in the Bible to catch lions. Um, and then it also means a pit of destruction or the grave, it's death. Right? So, so you see even here in the description, the definition of the word pit, it's literally both the kind that you could physically fall into. It's also destruction. Maybe that's probably the way that I have actually created life around me and that I fall in and I've destroyed myself a little bit. And then it's the grave. It's, it's all the way to not knowing Jesus unto death. Right? But then it says Jesus redeemed us from the pit. So look at this again. Let's Let's look at that scripture, Psalm 103, verse 4, with those definitions instead. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul, who avenges and ransoms your life from destruction and death. He avenges your life. He comes in and he pays his own life as a ransom for us. And then he comes to protect us from from our destruction and from death. So for those of us who are over here where we've created a mess and we've fallen into the pit of our own making, he's redeemed you from it. And for those of you who've had people make a mess for you and you've fallen into it because they've either dragged you into it or something's happened and you've tripped and fallen into it, he's redeemed you from it. It doesn't matter what kind of a pit it is. It doesn't matter what kind of, to say it as simple as this, what kind of unripe seed or fruit you are. Like, he's redeemed that. He has created a pathway for us to be saved. And this is, I've always stopped here. Like, I've always stopped with that scripture, and I've always loved that scripture, because I know that he's changed so many things in my own life, right? And, and as I was just, I was processing on it, like, just the, He's redeemed our life. He, he's, he has paid a ransom for life. And life means to be alive, to be fully vibrant and coming alive, right? Like, he's paid for that, and it's beautiful. And I felt like he said, you're missing the last half of the scripture. He was like, you're focusing on the fact of the pit. He's like, and you need to be focusing on the life. He was like, but look at the rest of the scripture. And before we go to the rest of the scripture, I, I want to say this. When you when you read through it, like I think this is what I've always kind of thought. It's have you guys seen the the Instagram video? There's um, a sheep that is stuck in a pit or a ditch, a really tiny ditch, like and he is stuck in there, like wedged fully. And the and the shepherd goes out and he like works really hard to get this sheep, who weighs probably about as much as the shepherd does, out of the ditch. And he finally like gets the sheep free, and the sheep is like. Going crazy, and then it like jumps off and like runs and just slams himself right and back into another into the same ditch, but just a little further down, you know. And and the, you see the shepherd kind of go like, and you know, guess what? He goes back after it. He doesn't say, Oh, you stupid sheep, I'm just gonna leave you there. He probably wanted to because, let's be honest, like that would be exhausting, but but that's kind of the picture that we have, like of, we have this picture of the Lord coming in and he's like, okay, let me pull, you You are such an idiot. And he like, like finally gets us out and he like sets us down and we're like, yay, we're free. And he's like, you know, and then we just run and we throw ourselves into the next pit that we don't see for some reason, you know. And, and you just kind of see that place of like, in, in my mind, it's like, how many times can the shepherd go and set this stupid sheep free without going just, you're there. You're, we're going to have mutton tonight for dinner. You know, like, like how, how many times? Like, you just kind of go, okay, you know, like, that's, that's my mindset. And so when I think, when I read that scripture, it's like, yeah, he sets us free and, you know, and he's probably annoyed and irritated because I'm an idiot and I keep slamming myself into a ditch, right? Like, and I can't get out. I'm stuck and I can't get out. And I, and I think that that's kind of been the picture that I've had sometimes of like, you know, if our kids keep making the same mistakes or they keep making mistakes, at some point you're kind of like, good grief, when are you going to grow up? Right? (laughs) Like we were just like, good, like, okay, I know you're three, but can you just listen for once? Just, just one, one time, can you just listen, you know? And, and that's, That's what the rest of the scripture shows that God is absolutely the opposite of, you know? And so look at the rest of this. So go back to the very first, um, the second side, Psalm 103, verse 4. It says, who redeems your life from the pit, and he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Let's just sit on that for a second. So Jesus comes in, and he redeems our life from the pit. So he pulls us out from whatever thing we have fallen into, whether of our own accord or our own making or somebody else's, and he pulls us out. And he's not like, are you going to stay out of the pit now? What are you going to do? Like, can you just go that direction instead of this one? You know, can you just listen to me for one time? Instead, he, he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He crowns you. He, he actually takes us and he looks at us and he's like, I love you so much. And the kindness of my love, that's what loving kindness is. It's the kindness of God's love. The, the kindness of his love falls over onto us. And he's like, I just pulled you out. You know, if you think about the other verses, and I've washed away all of your sins, and I've set you free from all of the muck and the mire and all of the things that the world has, has, and I've healed all of your diseases, and now I'm going to, and I've pulled, like you're out of the pit, you've been cleaned, cleansed, and washed, and you're set free, and now I'm going to crown you. I'm going to crown you. That's an act of love. It's not an act of frustration. God's not frustrated with us because we keep throwing ourselves into a pit. He pulls us out. Look at, look at what this means. The word, the word crowns, is, it means to crown somebody. Like, so to actually physically place a crown. Like, if I am um, going to crown somebody as a prince, I'm going to place a crown on them through a ceremony, right? It's an act of honor. But to crown also means to encircle for protection, He encircles us with protection. He's actually protecting. He's our protector. So he's not just pulling us out of the pit and setting us free and then saying, now you're released to run off and to do things your own way. He's actually coming around you, and he's protecting you, and he's keeping you, and he's honoring you, and he's, he's bestowing on you a gift of loving kindness and compassion. And look at that. Loving kindness is goodness Kindness, faithfulness, favor. That's what it means. So he's putting on you his goodness and his kindness and his, he's faithful over you and then he's adding favor to you. That's incredible. And then his compassion is mercy. It means mercy. It means tender love. And then it means womb. It means cherishing like the way that a mother cherishes an unborn baby. The way that a father cherishes an unborn baby. How many of us have either been moms or have watched moms? And when they're pregnant, they just they just hold their baby. They hold their baby before it ever comes out of the womb. They're constantly touching, you know. And the dads, you know, like the dads who like, oh, I can see its arm. Like Sean used to like Elijah always had stuck his elbow out of my stomach when he was in my womb, and we could literally grab his elbow and like move it around. And And then his toes would curl up on my ribs, and I would literally have to shove them off my, like, I could push them off of my ribs, you know, and Sean would be like, I can feel his toes on your ribs, you know, like, he was delighting in that, like, that's what it looks like to cherish a baby that's inside your womb, like, there's such, you know, there's such protection when, when Josiah was, um, was, I don't know, thirty. I think 37 weeks I was 37 weeks pregnant with him. Um we found out he was breech and when we went in to get a version which is where they take him and they turn him um I was I was attempting to not have to have the um pain re- like the uh, muscle relaxant. And so I was talking to the nurse about it. I was like, "Can I not have that drug?" <laughs> and she was like the, ner- the doctor was like, I will not turn your baby unless you have this. And I was like, why not? And she goes, because she goes on the exterior of your stomach, she goes, I am going to shove my hands down really deep into your, into your womb. She goes, and the moment that I do that, she goes, your body will naturally protect and encircle and, and will tighten up and tense up. And she goes, and I cannot reach that baby. She said, the only way I can reach your baby is if you have a muscle relaxant to make you so relaxed that your body can't tense up. She said, so I can flip your child. You know? So, like, your body naturally, women's bodies naturally protect their unborn child. You know, I was, I I don't remember, I was pregnant with one of them, and um, I got out, must have been, I think it might have been Josiah, I got out of the car... And it was icy that day, and I literally stepped onto the sidewalk really carefully, and the next thing I know, I'm under the car, like, just, and I hit, and it hurt, and I was just like, is my baby okay? You know, like, my first response is, you know, but my body had done that. It it had tensed up, and it had protected the child within, because our bodies are meant to display the love of God, right? Right? Over birth, and that's what you see in this. Like, his compassion over you is like our body's natural response to protect an infant inside of us, right? Like, he, he comes in and he just protects. You see it in the word crowning, right? He crowns us. It means to surround with protection, and in our womb, we're also surrounding our baby with protection, right? Like, so you see throughout this entire thing, his goodness, his kindness, and his faithfulness on display, So he doesn't just pull us out of the pit of destruction, whether we've thrown ourselves into it or somebody has thrown us into it. Instead, he pulls us out and then he takes us by the face and he just, sorry, and he like looks at us and he cups our face and he's like, I love you so much. Let me surround you with protection and let me put on you, on your your head in an honoring way loving kindness, the kindness of my love, my gentleness, my protection, my safety, my favor, my mercy. We heard the other day, a couple days ago, Sean and I were listening to a teaching and, um, and he had just said, he was like, you know, the older you, the more mature you become in the faith, the more that you understand that you live by grace, the more grace you actually require not because you're constantly in sin, but because you understand you can't do anything apart from Him. Right? Like, let me, let me explain that. So works looks like I work to please God. You know, so I keep falling into a pit, and now I have to work myself out of it. Usually if I'm in works, a works mindset, I am trying to figure out how to climb out of the pit, and when I do, I am enslaved like, like Joseph was. Joseph was saved by slave masters. It's a works-based mindset. He was then put to work for the rest of his life, for a long period of his life, I should say. But he was rescued from the pit by slave masters. So when we work, it's, it's like I have to do, like God tells me that I should not be, like he's pulled me out of the pit once, I better not fall into it again. So I'm gonna work really hard to make sure that I stay out of the pit. And I end up, asking for slave masters to come and to dictate my life to me. I've enslaved myself to workspace because I haven't relied on grace and mercy. I'm not allowing him to crown me because I don't feel like I'm worthy of being crowned, right? So on the other side of that, like thinking about like the fruit tree, like trying to give you two different illustrations. So you think about the fruit tree, I, without doing any research to gain knowledge about what the problem is, I could just start working and trying to figure it out myself. Right? I could just begin to go, well, okay, so maybe I need to put some dead fish under my tree. Because I've always heard that dead fish do something good for your tree, okay? And maybe I need to put some Epsom salt on there, because that's what some other random person said. Instead of doing research and gaining knowledge, I just begin to work. I just begin to try to just figure it out myself. And I'm wasting time and energy and constantly failing, because I don't really have the knowledge of what I need to do to keep it, right? Like, What do I need to do over here? I need to lean heavy into God's grace and mercy. I need to allow him to crown me, to encircle me with protection and love, and to crown me with his loving kindness and his goodness and his compassion. How do I do that? That feels very like spiritual, right? Not very practical. I would say this. In Matthew 6... Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Right? In Colossians, which we're going to read to, we're going to read very soon. Colossians, actually I have it, I have it highlighted here. Colossians says that in Christ himself is, um, it says Christ himself in whom are are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, What do I do? What does it mean to fall into grace and mercy and to let grace and mercy or the loving kindness and compassion of God encircle and protect us? It means that I begin to rely on him to be the God of wisdom and understanding in my life. And the only way I understand what wisdom and understanding is for my life is to begin to read the word of God and not just read it, but meditate on it. Here's, here's a really practical thing. If you don't understand or if you find yourself struggling with Psalm 103, any of the verses, take them before the Lord and just begin to process them before the Lord. And don't leave that chapter until you can agree with it in your spirit. If you read the verse, that says, Bless the Lord of my soul and forget none of his benefits, who redeems you, your life from, um, who s- s- yeah, heals all of your diseases. And you struggle with that, then begin to meditate on that. God, what do you mean? Surely you can't mean all. Do, are you like? I've heard so many teachings about how you put sickness on people to teach them lessons, and I've, you know, and I've wrestled with that, and I've prayed for people to not to get healed, and they haven't. I've watched loved ones I've I've loved who've had faith, and they've died, and I don't understand because it doesn't look like it all lines up. Can your word really be true? And I begin to process this back with the Lord and I wrestle with the Lord on it because if it says it, then I have to believe it. And if I don't believe it, then there's a problem, right? And I'm not trying to work myself into something. I'm actually leaning back into his mercy and grace and listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me to begin to grow my fruit. If I find, let me make this even more practical. If you have created a pit in your life, that you just can't seem to get out of it. Or every time you get out of it, you fall back into it because you just continue to have the same habits or the same problem or the same mindset. You always have a job. And every time you get a job, the, you get fired because they just don't seem to like you. That's a pit, right? That's the pits, right? If you can say that about a certain situation in your life, I always choose the wrong relationship. I'm always, I'm always finding, finding myself dating the wrong person. That's the pits, Right if you can say I'm in the pits this is the pits then to go okay God what's your wisdom and your knowledge about this I need to gain wisdom and knowledge about my relationships Something needs to shift and I'm going to lean back into your grace and your mercy and I'm going to begin to learn what you say what's the what's the biblical understanding of what relationships need to look like Why am I always choosing to fall into the, why am I always being fired from my job What's the problem like, this is a pit. If you're in a pit that somebody else has made for you, then your questions are a little bit different. If you've fallen, if you've been sucked into it by somebody else's choices, then your questions aren't, what am I doing wrong? But Instead, how do you want me to get out? How are you redeeming this in my life? Where's your redemption, Jesus? I don't see it yet. Can you begin to show me from your perspective what I need to adjust in my spirit? Because the problem with this pit isn't that you got stuck in it. We all fall into pits that other people have made. We all have, right? We've all stumbled into something that somebody else has made a mess for us, and we then are finding ourselves in it. It's when we stay in it that's the problem, right, in any situation. We've all sinned and fallen into a pit. We've all fallen into a pit that other people have made. It's when we stay in it and we just become a victim that we've not actually taken a hold of this idea that God has actually pulled us and redeemed us from the pit. He paid for us to be out of it. He paid for us to be out of it. And so, God, what is it that I need to do to step out of this? You know, um, when you think about it, if you're stuck in a well... You know, like the, the little girl who had fallen into a well, when the rescuer had gone down there, he was talking to her. Hey, I'm going to tie a rope around you. It's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable when I start to pull you out. And when you pull out, I don't know what all you said to her, but you know, but to to kind of process it, you're stuck in there, you're wedged in tight, you can't get out, there's nothing you can do. And they come down and they're going to start talking to you. I'm going to have you move your feet. I'm going to have you begin to help me. I'm going to have you not help me. I just want you to sit back and let me pull you out. Don't try to solve the problem. Don't try to fix anything. Just let me do it. Like You need to listen to the voice, right? Like, if I'm in there trying to rescue somebody, like, how many of our kids have gotten into like a pickle? Like, they're stuck in something, and you're like, just stop wiggling. Just sit still for a minute. Let me untie you. Like... Yours, like, my, my nephew and his um, sister used to tie, like, they and the dad would tie them up, and then they would, he would let them, like, try to get out. Like, they would tie them up on purpose for fun, and then the kids would have to learn how to get themselves out because they love challenges, you know? But, but how many times when, you know, like, have your siblings tied you up, and you're like, you, the mom comes in, they're like, what? Okay, just stop. You're making this so much worse just listen to me. Let, let me talk to you about how to get out of this. Let me instruct you on the ways that you need to move so that I can get you out of this. You know, if you've ever had a necklace that's been tied up, you know, the more that you yank on it, the worse it's going to get, right? The tighter the knots get. But instead, you have to begin to find the line, and you have to begin to unravel it, you know? And when you're little, I was trying to work with Josiah cause he had to do it himself, and I'm like, just let me have the necklace. I can fix it in five seconds, and he's like, Josiah, you know, everything is intense, and so it's just getting worse and worse, and I'm like, just listen to me. Like, you gotta listen. That's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He's the teacher. In Titus, it says that he instructs us, right? So he redeems us from the pit, but then he, as he's doing that, he's instructing us, hey, you want to pull on the strain that's loose, and you're going to begin to thread it out. It's going to take time, and it's going to take patience, and it's going to take tenacity, and you're going to actually have to not work at it, but lean into it. Adjust your life to make the changes, right? Because in Romans, it says that we have to renew our minds. That's how we get out of a pit. God's redeemed us from the pit. But sometimes he's coming in, he's trying to talk to us about what he's going to, I'm going to be tying this around you. I'm going to need you not to fight the, the rope. Right? And we start fighting the rope because we don't like it. How many of you have seen an animal who you're trying to pull into something and they're fighting against you, you know, or they've gotten stuck in a wire and you're trying to release them and they don't like being held? Right, That's how we often are with the Lord. And we're not taking his wisdom. But instead what we're doing is we're fighting against it constantly. And we just want to do things our own way. We just want to do it our own way. And we fall back into the pit. And we're frustrated. And we're like, I thought you redeemed me. And he's like, I'm trying. You're not listening. You're not taking the steps to actually gain the knowledge. You're not listening to the word of wisdom of the Holy Spirit who begins to move you one step out and one step out. It's a slow process coming out of the pit. Right? If nothing else you hear today, please hear, read your word. Read your word. And don't just read it. Meditate on it. Ask God questions. You know, I love, I love reading through um, Ephesians and Colossians and Galatians because they have such rich Um, instructions, like it talks, it's so practical, it's like, do these things, meditate on this, you know, but I was, I was looking at this kind of going, okay, Psalm 103 is, is written in the Old Testament, and, and I know that Jesus has paved this, what's, what's a comparable scripture in the New Testament that we can kind of weigh in, and I want you to listen to, if you remember, Psalm 103 starts off with, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits, and then he starts talking about the benefits, right? They're the benefits of the cross. He was looking into the future, seeing what Jesus was going to do. Listen to Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 12 through 14. It says, "Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude. Doesn't it kind of say sound like, "Bless the Lord, O my soul?" When you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Pause there for just a second. Do you hear how it's so similar? Forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord. Your hearts can, can become fully full of gratitude. That's blessing the Lord, right? When you think of how God made you worthy to receive his glorious inheritance, he's talking to us about the benefits. Verse 13, he has rescued us completely from the rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his beloved son he's rescued us that means he's redeemed us it's the same it's the same language for this in the son all our sins are canceled and we have been we have the release of redemption through his very blood he's redeemed you from all of your iniquities he's healed you from all of your iniquities verse 20 And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth was brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf, so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Do you see how he has crowned you in the scripture with loving kindness and compassion? He redeemed you. He sent his son. His son paid the ransom for you. His son paid the price with his own body so that you could dwell in his presence. He wasn't frustrated with you that you were in a pit. He was actually delighted when he pulled you out and he was able to crown you with protection and honor. Right? And so you have have this beautiful parallel, almost, of Psalm 103 with Colossians. And then this is, you know, and then at the very end of it, and now there is nothing between you and Father God. For he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. That's almost the picture of the baby in the womb. You know, there's nothing between you. Like, if you have a baby in you, there's nothing between the baby and the mom. It's in you. It's surrounding you. That's such a beautiful picture. And this is where we pull in Todd's message from last week. There's actually at the very end of this scripture and in the scriptures before it, the... Step. This is the invitation into our actions, our side of the responsibility. It says, let me end it here. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of the to have a firm foundation to grow upon. Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel that you have believed in. So there's an action, there's an invitation for us then to step into continual understanding and belief, building a firm foundation of faith, of mercy and grace to be able to continue to walk on. Right? That's that's our side of the thing. You see all the things that Jesus did for us and then he's like, okay. And now you get all those things if you step into the invitation. Guys, I just, I felt like this morning just to say, I know that there are so many of us who have pits in our life. Maybe we have a lot of, we've been redeemed from so much and we don't even feel like we're worthy of being redeemed again because we keep falling into a pit or we just have more. You know, but the thing is that we have these places in our life where we're stuck, you know, and we're not bearing good fruit. We have these fruits that are just small and they're not growing and they're not full, Right, they're not mature, healthy fruit that can be given out. And if we have those places, I, I just felt like just to encourage you today: go to the Father, lean into Him, because He has wisdom. In Jesus Christ is wisdom. He He is wisdom and knowledge for every single situation you're in. So if you don't know what to do, you lean into Him. The other day, I'm going to end with this. The other day, I was I was struggling with. Um, I don't know, I guess you would call it the blues, like, just kind of those, those days where you just, you have no reason to feel sad, and yet you just wake up feeling sad, you know, and you just really struggle, like, just, you know, and, like, like, to look around, like, to think about it practically in my life, I was like, kids are doing good, like, life is, life is good, life is happy, and yet inside of me there was just this internal sadness, and, and I just was like, Lord, like, this feels like a pit. Depression kind of feels like a pit, right? Like, like even, the, even the blues before depression, you can feel it being like a pit. And, and I was just like, God, that's, like, you've redeemed me from the pit. Like, this is something, like, I was just meditating on this, right? And I was just like, what do you want me to do? And, and his wisdom and knowledge to me in that moment was, I want you just to begin to worship me. Not through song, but just through declarations. Like, who am I to you? And so I sat and I just took a few minutes and I was like, I was driving, I was on my way somewhere and I was just like, I was like thinking about the scripture going, you're, you're full of like kind, the kindness of your love is overwhelming to me you've you've redeemed so many things in my life like you have crowned me with your kindness and your compassion over and over again and i and i was just thinking about like the benefits like the blessings of the lord in my life not like the oh you gave us this you gave it it wasn't even about that it was like you have been so kind in me and have called me into renewing my mind and you have shown up so many times in my life and you are constantly there for me and you're you're the God who is with me, you're the God who is for me, you're protecting me, you've sheltered me, you've you've been constantly steady with me, and even now I can tell you I'm in a pit and you're like not condemning me for it, you're like let's just let's just think about who I am. And it didn't change instantly. I did feel I did feel better. Like I had this, the the weight of that of that sadness kind of just pulled off. But it wasn't until hours later, when I was finished, that I found myself going, "Oh, I feel free today." Like and it and it took ten minutes of just beginning to step into who is God to me, who is He for me, what has He been for me, who. Like, what's my history with him? And I began to meditate on that and to become thankful. My heart just, I connected my heart to his in worship. You know, and I don't mean song. I mean just in, in just worship. Just, you're so kind to me, God. You're so gracious and merciful. You've always been there. You're always whispering wisdom to me. You're always encouraging me. You're always calling me by my redeemed name and not by my mistakes. You're setting me on a, a rock, a firm foundation. Christ, you came and you did everything for me. You've literally supplied my life. Everything I need for life and godliness has been deposited in me. Like, you didn't forget one thing. You didn't miss one thing. You even you even took, like, relationships, like, the way that we relate to people, and you encompassed that into the cross. It's part of the blessing, the benefits. And I just was processing all of that. And things began to shift inside of my spirit. And my soul began to come into alignment with where my spirit was. Because when your spirit comes into alignment with who God is and you begin to recognize who he is, your mind, your will, and your emotions also then get pulled into alignment with him. Right? And it's not necessarily instant. I'm not saying this is a cure-all. What I am saying is that there's those moments where you lean into the wisdom of God, and He begins to align our spirits and our soul, our mind, will, and emotions up with Him, and we begin to see things shift. You know, and it pulls you from the pit, and it sets you on a rock, and that's His mercy and grace. The longer I go in the Lord, the more that I know I desperately am completely paralyzed without His mercy and grace right? It's not a crutch for the weak or for the new Christians. It's something that we just need to swim in as adults, right? As we've grown into the Lord, we need to be able to go, oh, I can't breathe without his mercy and grace. It wasn't just given to me when I was a brand new believer. It's what I live in daily. I breathe in his mercy and grace every day. Does that make sense? I love these scriptures because I feel like it just pulls the love of Christ in so deep. And I, I found myself at the end of this message kind of just sitting there going, you really did cover it all. Like, you're so incredibly kind to us and your love for us. Like, I would be so annoyed with the person who keeps throwing themselves into the pit. And yet you come in and you just encircle them with love. And you, and you guide them and direct them with your spirit. And you're so good. Guys, we need that. So take the places in your life that you're in a pit or you have fruit that's not fully ripe and present it to him. And don't quit, like, don't stop presenting it to him until it becomes ripe. Until you get yourself out of the pit. Does that make sense? Go before him and say, I still have this. This fruit is still not ripe yet. I need your help. I need your wisdom. I need your knowledge. What do you have to say to me? And dig into the scriptures. Dig into the scriptures. What you're hearing in the inside of you has to line up with what you're seeing in the Bible. Right? And begin to apply the scriptures to your life. That's what it means to bless the Lord, oh my soul, like to tell your life, to tell your mind, mindful emotions, come into alignment with the Word of God. Over and over and over again, we never stop. We never stop. People who have been saved for so many years, they, they're still telling their mind, will, and emotions to come into alignment with the word of God and to be renewed day by day, right? So Jesus, we just, we submit those places in our life where our fruit is never ripening, where our fruit is bitter and hard and ugly and nobody wants to eat of it, God. We submit that to you, God. We give you that and we ask you for wisdom and knowledge how do you want us to cultivate the soil of our life? What part of you does it need to go into the soil to be redeemed in this way? And God, for those of us who are stuck in pits for any reason, Jesus, would you give us the wisdom that we need, the understanding? We lean into the person of Christ. And we say we want to get to know you in those ways. God, if I struggle with relationships, I want to know how you relate to people and how you want me to relate to people. God, if I struggle with my attitude, how do you want me to behave? How do you want me to manage my own self? How do you want me to walk out self-control? Would you show me and teach me in your word? I step into the invitation to gain knowledge in you, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you have the Holy Spirit in us who literally is teaching us how to walk in righteousness in this present day. You're so good, God. You left nothing out. And you loved us so much that you not just you didn't just cleanse us of our sins and cleanse us of our bodies, but you also pulled us out of the places we couldn't get ourselves out of. As a testimony to your goodness and your faithfulness, Jesus. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.